Welcome back to another episode of Coplin Talk. We've got the two chapters that I had been waiting for in this entire book ever since, let me hear it, Lily called it eons ago, okay? Thank you. Eons ago. I knew she knew Nynaeve. You guys know exactly what we're talking about. We'll get into it. I'm sure that's what this podcast will be about this entire episode. I'm yeah. sorry. If the you're blight? Not into what is it. that? I don't care. Leave now if you don't care um, <laughs> about Lan and Nynaeve. I'm sorry. Anyway, before we truly get into it with the summary, Lily, what was your first impression? Please enlighten me. All right. Well, you know what the main one is, but I'll pepper in this other one first. I found it just so cute and very on character for Egwene to still believe that they're all going to get together in Tarvalon and Aww. have like a cute little family time in Tarvalon. It'll be all super fun and cute. It's like, I'm Egwene. Were you not tortured by the Children of the Light, traced, traced by no. Trollocs, separated from Rand, uh, barely surviving, almost eaten by ravens, Perrin almost killing you? No, no, no. It's still a fun adventure and we're all going to nope, end up Nothing will get her down ever. Nope. Which is great. And honestly, it's a survival instinct. So all props to Egwene, but she's she's a cute one. Uh, and then also Rand, yeah. I'm pretty sure genuinely thinking that if there's no sheep to herd at Tar Valen, he doesn't know what to do. Yep. How is this a concern? I mean, he's only a sheep herder. Who knows what else yeah. there is in this world? No, I mean, he does He, he does say, like, I'm a sheep herder, and I think something about, like, growing to box. So he's like, here are my two skills. Yep. That's all. Right. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, okay. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Egwene's into it. Goodbye. Okay, but obviously. The mother fucking vibes. I called it. As Julia said, I knew from the second land was like, oh, you tracked... You followed my tracks? No one's able yep. to do that. And Nynaeve's like, yeah, bitch. I've been doing this since my dad taught me. And he's like, interesting. Okay. <laughs> huh. I think I'm feeling something called, like, emotion. And I'm not sure. Julia said, we're going to talk about it. I called this shit years ago. I yep. missed so yep. much in this book. I miss Pat and Fane. I miss pretty much <laughs> everything. I thought Moraine was sending the Trollocs and Emmons Field. I missed a oh, lot yeah. of it. Okay. There might be an episode where we're just going to go through all of my theories. This one, however, I've been on it. I know Nynaeve, she's my fucking girl. I also want to yeah. point out that Lan, the most emotionless person. Nynaeve, arguably the most emotional person. These mm. two have the most intimate relationship. And they effectively communicated better in five minutes <laughs> than Egwene and Rand have done their whole fucking lives. So, yeah. And that's not saying much because this conversation wasn't the most effective. And I'm probably going to just <laughs> fully act it out at the end of this episode because it was my favorite. <laughs> I can't wait. But yeah, that, those are my initials reaction. There, I think something okay. else happened in this chapter, but I, I don't I can't uh, remember. Who knows? They might have gone into the blight. I don't really know. Uh, anyway. Huh. Interesting. It's a jolly place to be. Mm. So we start the chapter with the group riding out of Faldara. They're joined by Ingtar and a hundred-man escort to the border of the Blight. Ingtar is Angie because this escort means that he and his men won't make it to Tarwin's Gap in time to help a very Borderlander reaction. But they're still going to try to make it there, darn it. So when they make it to the border... It's just our main crew who continues on. Slowly, the land north of Shinar grows warmer, unnaturally warm. Nynaeve and Rand can both sense the wrongness that's there, and they've finally reached the beginnings of the Blight. 
Everybody is taking off their clothes to deal with the moisty warmth. Even Loyal, he's got some chest hair too, like fur, Rand notes. Mm -hmm. And Matt puts his trademark scarf back on his forehead. I was honestly scared when the scarves came back into play because I was like, what's happening with the timeline? The timelines? The timeline? Like, how many, how many, how many scarves are we dealing with? Because then the scarves <laughs> happen again. I was like, who the fuck's I know. Who's blind? <laughs> yeah, Matt's like, get ready. Dagger Matt is back. <laughs> Dagger Matt returns. <laughs> but that's not the only change in the blight. Here, everything can kill you, and even the air smells like death. And sometimes, a cold wind blows down from the mountains, freezing the beads of sweat on Rand's <laughs> face. Ah, oh, the chill of the grave. It's refreshing. Uh -huh. Poor Matt spews, as Robert Jordan puts it, until his stomach is empty, and then spews a little bit more. Even Moraine looks like she wants to puke, too. Perrin? Lan? Unaffected. Mm. Do not care about the blight. Everything's fine. So the group finally makes camp for the night next to a group of lakes that surround seven broken towers. And Matt jokes about dunking his head in one of the lakes because it's so hot outside, just as a tentacle monster from hell makes a well-timed appearance. And Matt wisely decides to not stick his head in the water. So Moraine sets up camp and a fancy ward to protect them from the night creatures of the Blight. We get a little smidge of that classic Two Rivers banter from everyone, and then everyone settles in for the night. But of course, Rand is having trouble falling asleep and ends up accidentally eavesdropping on a very private conversation between Lan and Nynaeve. And like we mentioned, did Lily not pick up on the vibes immediately? <sighs> we'll get there. Like we said, honestly, I mean, we see a little bit of the blight in this chapter. It's just the beginning of it, according to Land. So, you yeah. know, that's a great sign. Yeah. Uh, but the the main point of this chapter is I feel like the reveal of Lan and Nynaeve, right? But let's start from the yeah. beginning, I guess. Let's do that. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Lily got so excited to talk about Lan and Nynaeve. No, but we'll, I know. We'll get there. I know other things happened in this chapter, and I wrote them down, and I have genuine questions. <laughs> However, I'm, like, getting <laughs> hot because it gives me so much joy. I mean, this is what I've been talking about, like, this whole book and, like, with the character moments, the relationships, mm -hmm. and, like, we mm -hmm. actually got a really genuine one. Oh, it's beautiful. Okay, but I guess they're, like, in the blight or some shit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, going, like, to some, like, world-changing event. Who knows? They have a need something. or whatever. Yeah, but so I, need. But, yeah. But before all this, so I do <laughs> one of these. I want to talk about my boy Ingtar. Ingtar. Oh, yeah. At the t yeah. From, from the top, all right? So we learned from previous chapters that Lord Algamar, who's the head or the, the lord He's of... He's just the lord of Faldara. Faldara. And he was... Uh, in speaking to Moraine and Lan and understanding their journey to the eye or through the blight, it's like, all right, well, I'm definitely going to send some lances with you, protect you. Moraine's like, no way. We don't want to attract more trollic attention. We have enough attention on us as it is. This has been my story, the whole book. So, but I guess they did come up with some level of a compromise, right? Where Ingtar and the lances right. can come with them to a point. And then they kind of split off and we get some level of, I guess this would be considered world building where Mo and co they go off on their own and then Igtar is going to head to Tarwin's gap. But then we kind of get a backtracking was uh, from Rand's perspective, right. and, like the morning yeah. in Faldara and like all these people are getting ready and Rand's like listing all these different towns along the borderlands who are also getting ready to fight. So obviously it's not yep. just 
Moraine's journey to the eye to face the shadow. Everybody is going to Tarwin's Gap to face uh, what I'm assuming is this giant Trolloc army. That's sort of the yeah. war, correct? Okay. Yeah, that's what it seems like is the Trollocs are amassing north mm. of Tarwin's Gap. That doesn't sound good. I don't want anything amassing anywhere. I don't know. Maybe it's Personally. a great mosh pit. But yeah, I. <laughs> what'd you think of, of your boy Igtar? He's just... Igtar is built different. He, he <laughs> just like every other Borderlander. He's built for tough. I actually think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. He wants to go to the fight that almost yeah. means certain death, right? Like everyone is preparing in this town of Faldara for death or to flee to somewhere where to like pause the death. Be like, hold on, I'm just gonna go a little further south and yeah. wait out the death a little bit, right? Yeah. Because yeah. there's this giant army amassing and. It's just Faldara and the surrounding areas that are preparing for it. Right. None of the other borderland um, cities are coming to their aid because they're also dealing with a lot of Trollocs too. So this really is kind of, in a way, a suicide mission for every man that's going out to fight. But Ingtar is, like, mad that oh. he doesn't get the opportunity to be there. He's like, I, like, what, you're telling me I get to walk you to the border? Which also, like... They, they encountered nothing along the way to the border oh. that they would have needed a hundred lances for. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Was this necessary? No, it just, uh, as I was writing my notes and reading this, I I was like, is he pissed? Kind of like what you're saying. Like, what yeah. the fuck are you mad about? Like, uh, you're just going <laughs> to escort Moraine. And I understand. And like, we get this from Lan later too, that like, Igtar, Lan, a lot of these men from birth are... Like, your life's journey is to fight and then fight until you die. So I understand that this is a yeah. uh, life fulfillment type of thing. But then just being, like, pissed that, like, we didn't see any tronics. I didn't actually get to be near death. I had a pretty, uh, huh. And um, one of Rand's moments here as Igtar is mm -hmm. talking about the agreement that they would come as this far but then split off. And Rand says, he sounded unhappy about it disgruntled at life in general <laughs> <laughs> listen Ingtar like, is going through an emo phase okay really just is. like Elias he's yeah. like this oh, sucks that's a great comp it's a very very much an Elias type of type of vibe but yeah I think maybe this is prefacing us for the ultimate conversation between Lana and Nynaeve where it's like these types of men this is their goal yeah uh there is nothing else and if we don't get to fight and die this life is stupid, okay? And I know right. I'm no, actually mad. I think I think even Agomar described Lan in the last chapter or two as courting death like he courts a maiden or something like Ooh. that. Like he, he goes into the blight and courts death there. Like that's how he addresses it. He's like, Lan's the best person to take with you into the blight because he knows what he's doing. Like this is this is his life's work. Yes. This is his specialty is Killing things in the blight, essentially, yeah. and, like, confronting death on a daily basis. Well, I mean, that's why part of me wants to read the whole interaction between him and Nynaeve, because you get a full, like, from Lan's own perspective, because we learn the Lan backstory, yeah. but from Lord Algamar, but from Lan's perspective, we get his whole life's purpose, which I love. Right. Shout, real quick shout out to our boy Robert Jordan. Courting death, like, courting a maiden, like, I did. I know. This is so Incredible writing. Incredible descriptions. Yeah. I love. Are we easily impressed? Maybe we are, but I love to continue <laughs> shout out shouting out the author because I think in yeah. any fantasy book series, the world's so intricate and you just fall into it. Sometimes it's easy to forget that one person created all of this from their brain. And I it's know, truly incredible. 
Thank you, Rojo. His brain is also built different. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> My boy built Just to take it out tough. of the series. Thank you. No. Yeah, um, how dare we get serious? Okay, let's talk no, about some bonus. not allowed. Speaking of people being built different, <laughs> the rest of the Borderlanders are pretty much the same as Inktar. Uh-huh. Like, they are all... Uh, anyone who can't fight is fleeing to the next town over, right? Like, mm-hmm. Or probably to the capital, I think, is where they're going. But... There's older men who have lost their wives or never had them, and their young children are all grown up who are staying in Faldara mm. as everyone else is fleeing so that in case the army falls at Tarwin's Gap, the city of Faldara will not be overrun without some kind of defense. It's, right. again, another suicide mission. Like, assuming <sighs> that this Trolloc army beats your every man that you can muster to get into Tarwin's Gap and then comes to overtake the city, like, there's no way anyone would survive that. But these men are still staying to be like, you know what, I don't have anyone to leave behind. Mm-hmm. So this is my purpose now. Like, mm-hmm. I will end my life with honor. So they're really... It's a very honor-bound society up in the Borderlands, for sure. Um, and I just loved that Ingtar cannot even fathom why Nynaeve is confused as to his wish to go to Tarwin's Gap, because she's like, why are you so excited? And he's yeah. like, what? That is what I do, lady. Yeah, that, that is, is why I why am. Why I am, yeah. That is why yeah. I am. Get, out, get the fuck <laughs> Everyone's out poetic. Uh, Ingtar. I, I appreciate him, but this... Take a step back, my friend. Okay, I know. Chill. You're super honorable. You're super noble. That's great for you. Love that for you. But like, listen. If the Trolloc army beats your army, then you'll have your chance. Okay. Yeah. Right. Go court death. All right. Like you've never courted a maiden, clearly. But like, (laughs) I, I I just need to get a quick word in about my boy Igtar because he clearly needed some more shine in the light because he was not. Uh, Yeah. He was not a fan of being. Uh, Moraine's like guard, yeah, escort guard. Like, he could never yeah. be a warder. Clearly, he's like, no, no I have to kill he's things. got his own mission to do. And the only thing uh, else that I want to point out about the Borderlanders is that when Ingtar says goodbye to Lan, he says, "Peace favor your sword." Mm-hmm. And Egwene asks, like, what? What does he mean by that? What a strange thing to say. And Lan explains that again, everyone. I, like, I want to call them melodramatic, but I know it's not because this is their real life here. Yeah. But, like, reading it in a fantasy book, he's like, when you have never known a thing except to dream, it becomes more than a talisman. Which is like, yeah, they've never known peace up in the Borderlands because they're constantly protecting the yeah. rest of the world. <laughs> and they just hammer it home there. So, I like how Lan, all through this book, has said only sheep herder and basically, like, Moraine, let's go. And in the yep. past two chapters, he's just saying poetry. It's it's quite a move. It is, but he's back home, so maybe he's more comfortable. Has love changed him? I, I assume. Mayhaps. Uh, mayhaps. But yeah, let's talk about the soupy world that is the blight. Oh, it's soupy is an accurate word. It, it's a fun place. So I, I see your general description here because I don't have much yes. on it other than... The air gets warm and damp, swampy. Uh, as Nynaeve says, it feels wrong. So uh, there's that. I think everyone could agree that, yeah. you know, what? this kind of reminds me of Florida's weather, honestly. <laughs> Just hot and muggy and disgusting, and I could not survive. 
but that's Florida is the blight. That's one of the best <laughs> comps you've made. I like it. That's good. Sorry, not sorry to Florida. <laughs> I'm not sorry. But yeah, okay. So basically, the blight we all know from our many map talks is mm. north of Shinar. Mm-hmm. It's north of any of the normal lands, if you will. But despite it being north, it's hotter and muggier than the rest of the world. It feels wrong. The leaves are sickly yellow with black flecks of disease, and many leaves look bloated and ready to burst. The flowers look like they're rotting alive, and the air smells of decay and spoiled meat. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. This is why Matt pukes. Yeah, or spews, I guess, is the Spray, spews. I love that Robert Jordan chose that word, because that's something that I would choose, you know? So I relate to that. (laughs) Um... So I think soupy is the correct term soupy, here because yeah. everything in this area seems to be squishy and moist and disgusting. Stop it. Stop like, at one words. point, I know. At one point, Lan warns of the many dangers in the blade because before they walked in, uh-huh. Lan was like, okay, don't touch anything. Mm-hmm. And Rand, of course, being a sheep herder, is like, yeah, okay, they're just trying to keep me on my toes or something, keep me nervous. And he touches a stick. What? (sighs) And Lan is like, hold up. I told you not to touch anything. Flowers can kill in the blight and leaves maim. There's Mm -hmm. a little thing called a stick looking like its name. When it bites, the juices begin to digest the stick's prey. And the only thing that can save you is to cut off the arm or leg that was bitten. Not like the finger, Mm -hmm. the arm or leg. Okay, it's the whole limb that's coming off. So maybe don't go touching things in the blight. There are also things in the Blight that hunt by sound, and some may have wandered this far south, he says, much worse than sticks. So keep quiet and keep up if you want to stay alive. And that, I think, sets the tone accurately for the rest of their journey in the Blight. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of messed up stuff here. (laughs) Yeah, and that's pretty much Lan's whole MO for this whole book in terms of dealing with the sheepers. It's just like, shut the fuck up, follow us, because I don't want to talk to you. However, no. Who's the who's your wisdom? She who who is? Yeah, hey, interesting. Who that? Huh. Oh, she followed. Oh, sorry, I just can't not think about it. But of course, we have to mention that Matt and Rand are so affected, and Perrin is like Lan going oh, through yeah. all this shit. Rand yeah. is starting to notice more and more Perrin's yellow eyes. Every time Rand references Perrin, he always talks about the yellow eyes or the. Yeah, the glistening or the gleaming. There's always some type of reflective quality to them. I think mm-hmm. Perrin's just wolf Enos is just continuing to get stronger and stronger. And I've been trying to think about this because basically Perrin's wolf powers started when he actually was in contact with wolves with Elias. So to yes. me, it's like, why wouldn't these wolf powers have presented when he was much younger? If this was always a part of him, why would they only start when he was in the presence of wolves and then why when he was in the presence of wolves that's when he started to hear their thoughts when we know mm-hmm. there's have been wolves in emmons field for a while mm-hmm. so these aren't you know relevant points to this chapter specifically but it just made me think about it because i'm like his wolf powers seem to be like heightened he, he's basically a god at this point you know like nothing affects yeah. him he gets his axe ready yeah. it's he just, doesn't care no he's like shit. i got my axe and my yellow eyes and i can see farther than you so i'm better than you 
Well, and I think what they're what the book is trying to tell you in uh, putting Lan and Perrin together and that they're both unaffected is basically putting Perrin on the same level as Lan in terms of knowledge of the Blight. Because remember mm -hmm. in when they were talking about the Blight or the Borderlands oh. when they were in Camelin and then yeah. Perrin's like, yeah, the hunting's really shitty up there. And they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. it's like he's he, his wolf knowledge is now the same as Nat Lan's man lands knowledge of the blight who's been fighting up here you know for his whole life so i thought that was a really cool parallel to to put them together to make you understand yeah. that Perrin is just like way He's up very quietly here. ascending above oh, yeah. everyone else in the group well, i mean right now. i also call this too not that it's hard to call but like he's He's a leader. I mean, you talk to wolves, dude. Yeah. You're a clear leader. While Rand just continues to get stupider and stupider at the chapter. <laughs> I love him. I love Rand, but like, come on, dude. I know. He's still got the wool-headedness to him. Good just... old Rand is very consistent at the very yeah. least. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is obviously, so as they're going through the blight, now the question of setting up a camp is coming um, up because Land's like, we're not going to reach you know, the mountains at all, we're going to need to find a place to camp. And so in talking about this, they're talking about the eye. And this conversation is mostly happening between Matt, nope, Moraine and Lan, and then Loyal sort of chimes in. And they're talking about the eye. And then they're talking about the green man and that how the yep. green man has always been found beyond the high passes, which I assume the high passes are basically like peaks of this, the mountains of Dahoom. That's what so I'm also like assuming because they keep referring to the mountains of Dehoom right. and then talking about getting through the high passes. It's got to be the mountains. Yeah, uh, it's it on the other side of the mountain. Right, it has to be the mountains. So because every time the eye and the green man are talked about, it's always together. So could we just real quick do like a quick rundown of what each of those are? Because sure. I, to me, it's like they're the same thing, but actually they're not. Or they mean the yeah. same thing. Yeah. No, yes and no. I know you the can't really... The wheel as the wheel okay. wills. Okay, Moraine. All right. <laughs> no, okay. Here, Here's my quick, yeah. um, hopefully spoiler-free okay. explanation for the green man versus the eye. The green man and the eye are always in the same place together. Hmm. They are separate things. The green man is like a, 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 a being, and the eye is some like an enigma. We don't know what the eye is. Okay. Um, but... Whenever you need to find the Eye of the World, you have to find the Green Man. And the way to get to the Green Man is to have great need, apparently. Okay. So the Green Man's essentially the gatekeeper to the Eye. But they come, yeah. they're a package deal. Yes. Come together. Yeah. All neatly tied You up. can't find the Eye without the Green Man, and you can't find yes. the Green Man without the Eye. Yep. They're in the same place, essentially. But that place seems to move around somehow, um, right. as we discover okay. at the end of the second chapter, 49. Yeah. Where it's not always where you think it should be, but generally, it's beyond the high passes. And after that point, it's wherever you are when you have a great need to mm -hmm. finding him. Who knows why people go looking for the Green Man but apparently Moraine has in the past. Okay. And I would I would hope we get sort of Moraine's why she did that before. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. Thank you for that because I was like, why are they the same? 
I know, they really don't explain it too much, but that's pretty much what you can glean out. It's just Green Man is a being, the eye is who knows what. They're in the same place. Right. I know I know that together. the eye is intentionally super vague. Like, that's the name of this yeah. book. Like, we don't know what it is. It's been mentioned a few times. It's not in the fucking glossary, that's for sure. The Green Man's not nope. in the glossary, thank you. <laughs> Robert Jordan's like, I'm not giving that to you. <laughs> Goodbye. I will give you, though, every... <laughs> every fucking children of the light description because i need to yep. know those people 100 percent. so they're figuring out where to camp uh i think it's rand who notices the seven towers so locationally yes. it means they're probably in around malkier or that whole area yep. because it's the seven yep, that's broken... literally it right there okay so they're much. they're in they're in it okay which is helpful for me because i always need to know where they are um yeah and matt as you said matt's like ah oh, perfect a lake we can find some relief from the swampy freezing right. shit we're in and then a tentacle monster comes out uh as i described <sighs> it a creepy scale monster uh and mm-hmm. there are hands mm-hmm. on the tentacles so what the fuck does that mean yeah okay i cannot tell you how i missed this in like my first three read-throughs of yeah. this book but i noticed it this time and i i like, I think I had a dream about it the night after reading oh, God. it for the first time. Because I'm like, what the fuck is this, like, eldritch monster doing in the eye of the world? Like, this is, it's, they also mention that this thing is so big that it's too big for the lake that it's in. Like, how is it in that lake? Oh. We don't know. I These are questions I'm actually good with just kind of letting them, right. letting them yeah. lie. I don't want to know about this <laughs> no neither do i everything is horrible and soggy and squishy and disgusting and we can leave it behind please no it's just fucking gross and land's always talking about the corruption in the blight mm-hmm. so it's like is this fucking a part of it i don't know what the hell this is so they decide to just make camp where they are because we're not gonna yep. do the lake thing if the monster wasn't enough there's no way moraine is going to move from the point she's at she's like i'm already starting to do the, <laughs> the bending my vanishing trick this yep. took me until my second read through to even understand what the fuck was going on because i was reading it and they're like yeah people are vanishing once again matt and rand are kind of freaking out but no one else seems yeah. to care so it's a good moment this- i love yeah, no, I thought it was, like, a, a dream situation. And then I was like, no, because uh, yeah. it didn't seem like part of the world totally. But then it's kind of explained. So, yeah. If you no, it's magic. You would explain that, yeah. It's a vanishing magic trick. It's pretty cool. Moraine could really, yeah. like, monetize this, but whatever. She <laughs> she has a need. The bending. The magic. Basically, I mean, it's not that complicated, honestly. So Moraine is essentially creating a ward that bends the light so that anyone looking at their camp on the inside of this ward would see past it instead. Mm. It's it's she's just making them invisible. Right. That's what she's saying. Okay. So, it's like a giant circle around their camp and it makes them invisible to anyone who's outside of it, which is why Rand and Matt have a mini freakout moment mm. where and I think Perrin might be there too, I don't know. Where uh they're like putting the horse's stuff away outside of the camp or something. They're doing something outside of yeah. the ward circle. And they turn around and suddenly they're alone in the blight and they can't find anyone else. And it's just such a great wool-headed sheep herder moment yeah. where sudden panic. Like, everyone's gone panic. Yeah. Like, something must have taken them silently from behind us, like, 20 feet away. 
we're obviously alone now. What are we going to do, everyone? Yes. Like, shuffle forward until you make it through the barrier again. In the book, uh, 671, it's, uh, with a numb hand, he fumbled for his sword, Rand. Dimly hearing Matt curse, Perrin had his axe out, his shaggy head swiveling to find the danger. Sheep herders, Land muttered. (laughs) It's like, Land, it's fair. No one, once again, no one explained this to them, so it's maybe fair that they just turn around and everyone's gone. And then Moraine, of course, like, I know. But I just love how they, like, (laughs) wait, let let me find the quote. Uh, okay, so yeah, Lan says the sheep herder comment, they're still outside of the ward, so Lan's like, whatever, and he walks inside and also disappears, and then all three of them start, like, sprinting towards the spot where Lan disappeared, and then everyone stops, because they know it's right there, and then they go through, like, one by one, like, shuffling carefully, like, as if it might hurt or something, or, yeah. like, they, there's only one point of entry, like, who knows what the magic requires but uh such such a good moment they're still so naive very sweet boys but uh, sweet i guess Egwene and naive don't have an issue with this but maybe it's because of their you know abilities right right i think they just are more aware of their own well, magic and the magic in the world now just stop so. there they're just more aware period of okay life. yeah so. very true but yes magic yeah. in this world of course and then from there, they're just kind of setting up camp, and there's a, a semi-sweet moment between Rand and Egwene mm-hmm. and the other, like, Emmonsfield kids where, I just love this quote where, you know, Egwene's going off about, like, oh, we'll all have a great time in Tar Valley and everyone can join, and yeah. Rand thinks to himself, light, but a man could drown in those eyes and be happy doing it, like, mm. <laughs> it's so cute tell her that i know no 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 sharing emotions that's illegal in the two rivers no i thought those were so sweet but yeah it always pains me because i'm like rand you have these sweet thoughts well okay so this is what i basically said rand is basically like i only know how to be a sheep herder and Moraine's like we'll just find <laughs> you something else to do whatever and then so Egwene suggests that rand could be her warder and in my head i'm like yeah i think this is a this is a smart idea. You know, good good for Egwene. Like, let's future predict, because obviously where they're at right now in the story, they're probably at the most dire position, which is crazy because I've yeah. said that a few times, you know, each part of their stories. But they're in the blight. They're pretty much surrounded by hand tentacle things. And it's, it's really scary. <laughs> no one wants to be there. Yeah. It's whatever. And... But Egwene is providing, like, hey, guys, let's plan for the future. We're not going to die. Let's bring some positivity into this. Rand, you can be my warder. And I think this is a good idea. But then Rand's inner thoughts kind of ruin it. And he says, I like to be your warder, he said. She's not for you, nor you for her. Why did Min have to tell me that? I just don't understand why Rand thinks that just because they're not going to end up together or end up together in a romantic sense that he still can't be there for Egwene like Lan and Moraine are not fucking okay but he's there for Moraine all right and if they were that would be a that would be a wild twist I doubt it no (laughs) yeah but um it frustrates me that Rand it's I guess is a simple-minded in not really understanding the complexity of what relationships can be between men and women. Um, and just, Very true. And just because you are told this prediction doesn't necessarily mean that, one, it's true, or that, one, you can't continue to develop a relationship with Egwene. You right. might be separated for many reasons, but 
isn't this the whole thing that is propelling Rand? And as we learn, even from next chapter, the only reason that he continues to push through is so that Egwene doesn't have to face this by herself. Like, you clearly mm-hmm. want to be there for her. You clearly want to protect her. And this feels like the best way you can do it. So don't let this thing that hasn't happened yet. Essentially, it, it's anxiety, you know, but yeah. it's in the form of this prediction. Prevent you from being there for someone that you love. And she loves you, Rand. Come on. I know. It's kind of surprising that in all his Two Rivers stubbornness, he just hears this prediction from, or this, like, pattern reading from a woman he's never met before then, and accepts it as fact in a way, and it really changes the course of how he and Egwene interact with each other also, but I I have, I'm kind of, like, double-sided here, because there's that aspect where, you know, they're, like, essentially engaged before they leave the Two Rivers, but also once Egwene realizes that she can channel, Mm. her whole trajectory also changes Mm -hmm. into, like, well, now I'm gonna become an Aes Sedai, and, like, Aes Sedai don't really marry that often, and life is full of danger and stuff, so, like... It it seems like no matter what, they are going in their separate directions, but it's just so, I you're right, it's odd that they're kind of treating it as, like, dead in the water already. Right. You could still be there for but her, But I guess Egwene isn't, because she's like, everyone stay yeah. together forever, you're my warder, it'll be right. great. She's like, if this was modern day, she would be the person, like, heading up the 10-year high school reunion. She's like, oh my god, guys, oh, let's yeah. all get back together, wouldn't this be so much fun? And then Rand's like... <laughs> Yeah. Egwene's like, didn't everyone love high school? And everyone else is like, no. No one did. Also, if anyone went to their 10-year high school reunion, please let us know. Because Julie and I will obviously not ever be doing that. Any time. Do you shudder Those invitations are getting swerved. (laughs) Straight up swerved. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't want to go back to the worst time in my life. Goodbye. Quick thing (laughs) I want to mention before the point of this chapter is... Nynaeve tells Egwene that, you know, she'll go with her to Tar Valen so that Egwene's not uh, just yeah. around Aes Sedai, that she'll be around a familiar face. And I think that <laughs> okay. Nynaeve said that with a little bit of, like, acidity, acerbic, I think we learned oh, that yeah. word earlier, like, yes, rather than Aes yeah. Sedai. And then Moraine mm-hmm. says, perhaps that would be for the best wisdom, Moraine said simply. And I think that this works in two ways because one, Nynaeve is able to support Egwene and be like, girl, I'm there for you. We got each other. And then also appeasing Moraine because there was an entire chapter when when Nynaeve was stuck with Moraine and Land, where Moraine's like, go oh, Tarvalon, you should trade in Tarvalon, train and train in Tarvalon, train in Tarvalon. Mm-hmm. And so Nynaeve's like, all right, I'll go there, I'll train. But I'm there for Egwene. So that right. she's not only around Aes Sedai. On her own terms. On her own terms. because Maureen told her. God, I love this person. She is me. I am her. I love you so much, Nynaeve. If only I was as badass as her. I aspire to be her. <laughs> I know. We could only aspire to be. But this also pointed out to me that no one other than Lana Moraine know that Nynaeve can channel and is an Aes Sedai. Yes. And even the bit next chapter, which we'll talk about, I totally missed. So we'll get into right. that a little bit more. But it just yeah. made me remember that she can channel or has the ability. Well, she's been channeling. Mm-hmm. But she is so deep in refusal that she's not even going to use this opportunity to be like oh yeah Gwen, i'll come with you because i also share your ability and right. we'll train no, together she's like nope it's definitely just to help out a Gwen, right. not for any reason of my own at all right and i think just saying but i think also that sort of is 
naive, like very expertly reading the room. It's like, oh, this is a Gwen's moment. This is a Gwen's, yeah. you know, power. So I'm going to be there to support her. And then Moraine right. sort of being like, all right, I'll accept this. You know, I got you to Tar Valen. Yeah, good enough. Because as we've talked about, Moraine is like, I desperately want to hold on to the women that can channel because it's, there's such a likelihood if we don't find you that you'll die. So, And not only that, they're incredibly powerful, both of them. Exactly. It's fucking... I mean, don't get me started on Evans, Evans Field starting five, y'all. I mean, it's a big, it's a big deal, <sighs> all right? Yeah, so I think Moraine's like, all right, Nynaeve, if we get you in Tarvalon, you'll at least be protected to a certain degree, and that's all I can ask for. Okay, yeah. it's a win. I'll enough. take the win. The wheel weaves as the wheel the wheels, wheel I'm hoping. The wheel fucking weaves as the wheel wheels. You're goddamn yeah. right. Okay. Before we move on, yeah. there was one more point just with Egwene channeling okay. and her being more willing to do so than naive. Yeah. She's all about it. And I love this one moment where it again showed that everyone here is a little bit naive about everything in general, where... When the boys come back through the ward after being scared out of their wits, Egwene's like, oh, Moraine did this cool ward thing, and, like, I could do it too, she yeah. said. And Moraine's like, yes, but you shouldn't, because dealing with the power when you're untrained could lead to dire consequences yeah. or something like that. And then Egwene <laughs> just has this look on her face like, oh, I <laughs> realize. Oh, Aww, and she's, like, horrified Egwene. because... Rand notes that, like, obviously she must have been trying her powers yeah. without telling Moraine, which is just so Egwene yeah. to be, like, all for it. And she's like, I don't care. Like, I don't know about any of the dangers <laughs> associated with this, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Egwene does not see any badness, any danger ever. Nope. At all. Yeah, because even Perrin's like, ha I was with you. I know that you're yeah. trying to start fires and you were freaking me out, but you were too. Oh, yeah. To. Just such a great little, like, character moment that's in the background of this entire thing in the blight. So yeah. it's, it, it was a fun chapter for a lot of those little moments, for sure. No, I, I think about this, too, um, when it's brought up very infrequently at this point that Egwene and Nynaeve can channel. I find it odd that these things were introduced in the first book, because I'm assuming these mm -hmm. two are going to survive this ordeal and then be characters in the future books and them being channelers is going to be a large part of their character and their personality, but it's not really addressed in this book. So I'm kind of like, why was it even introduced type of thing? So I'm excited for more of it. And I've been saying it this whole book, I want them to channel more. I want them to like do, yeah. do some shit, but I understand that this, this is a Moraine and Rand centered yeah book. i know this is like chapter one of yeah. 14 chapter book yeah. like there's a lot to intro but you're not gonna get the real right. meat of it right for and that's, a while that's cool uh are you ready for the fucking bulk of this i'm so okay. ready what like i just i wish i could have been there for the moment oh. you read this paragraph of like like, did you uh, just, like, walk me through your emotions, please? I want to live through you. Okay. So, first off, I I was reading this. I wasn't reading it um, with the audiobook at all. And this is uh, 673 and 674. Everyone's gone to sleep. Rand can't sleep. And he noticed that Nynaeve's still awake. She gives Lan, like, a cup of tea. And I was like, all right, that's, right. like, not really. Actually, relatable. Yeah, this is not really an intimate thing. Like, this is just probably whatever. And then they started talking, and I was like, are we fucking getting it? And I was literally doing this type of shit when I was reading it, because yeah. I was so excited. Yeah. I'm, um, <laughs> I'm describing, like, holding my hand, 
to conceal what's uh, written so that I don't spoil oh myself because my I just savored yeah. each fucking piece of dialogue so much that I'm actually going to read it to you here because I'm in love with this entire thing. If you please if you'd let me serenade me. I'm going to cry because it's beautiful. All right. When he reached out with a murmur of thanks, she did not let go right away. Oh, my God. <laughs> I should have known you would be king, she said quietly. Her eyes were steady on the warder's face, but her voice trembled slightly. Lan looked back at her just as intently. First of all, intense. Already. Mm-hmm. Eye contact. Mm-hmm. Let's go. It seemed to Rand that the warder's face actually softened. I am not a king, Nynaeve, just a man. A man without as much to his name as even the meanest farmer's croft. Nynaeve's voice studied. Some women don't ask for land or gold, just the man. And the man who would ask her to accept so little would not be worthy of her. You are a remarkable woman, as beautiful as the sunrise, as fierce as a warrior. You are a lioness. Like, I'm sorry. What the fuck, land? A wisdom seldom weds. She paused to take a deep breath as if stealing herself. But if I go to Tarp Allen, it may be that I will become something other than a wisdom. I said I marry as seldom as wisdoms. Few men can live with so much power in a wife, dimming them by her radiance, whether she wishes to or not. I love that bit because it just gives us a little bit of I Sedai backstory. You know, you don't think of them yeah. getting married and like the uh, gender dynamics. I love that little bit. Naini says, some men are strong enough. I know one such. If there could have been Shoot any- shot. Dude, she's going for it. My girl. There could have been any doubt- her look left none as to whom she meant. All I have is a sword and a war I cannot win, but I can never stop fighting. That is land to a goddamn T. I love that quote yeah. so much. There is a war. I can never stop fighting it. That's my whole journey in life. I think Igtar would say the same thing about himself. Definitely. I've told you I care nothing for that light. You've made me say more than is proper already. Will you shame me to the point of asking you? I will never shame you. The gentle tone like a caress sounded odd to Rand's ears and the warder's voice, but it made Nynaeve's eyes brighten. I will, this part, I will hate the man you choose because he is not me and love him if he makes you smile. No woman deserves the sure knowledge of widows black as her bride piece, you least of all. He set the untouched cup on the ground and rose. I must check the horses. Nynaeve remained there kneeling after he had gone. Sleep or no, Rand closed his eyes. He did not think the wisdom would like it if he watched her cry oh my god it it always brings me to the point of tears it's just the build-up from here as subtle as it was to most readers i think is so good the payoff is like you're like finally it's being addressed like i thought this might be a thing like he the way that Nynaeve and lan were holding hands when they went to like go save perrin and Egwene from the white cloaks like i tried to not put too much emphasis on that but there was emphasis in there in that chapter already and it's just the payoff but then the letdown (sighs) for poor Nynaeve who is gone and put Mm. herself out there which is very unlike herself and i think like unlike anything that people do in the two rivers normally and lan very nicely kind of shuts her down while also kind of confirming that he has the same feelings but it's just not possible and oh my god how tragic it's beautiful really i i mean I guess it came, I think that was something else when I was first reading that, that I was surprised at this. It's like I did predict it to a certain extent, but it's like I'm kind of joking when I'm like, oh, there are vibes, you know, like who fucking knows? I think I even say that where I'm like, I doubt they actually 
would get together, but there are vibes mm -hmm. here. So like to actually have the confirmation that did really surprise me. And for Lan to even admit that he would hate the I man know. she like, are, are you kidding he me? He cracked. Cracked. But I, like I said, I love this so much because you're not just getting this beautiful, intimate conversation between these two people who deeply care about each other, but you're getting more of a land understanding. And I love the land backstory buildup because you're getting all the backstory that we got from his past and his childhood, that he's actually a king mm -hmm. to where he is now. And then Nynaeve sort of trying to bring that up in introing this conversation, like, oh, you were a king. And he's like, I'm not like, I'm just a man. And she's like, I couldn't give a fuck about all of that. Like, you're the person that I want. And then him really like beating it down and being like, okay, you are also a perfect woman. And I love that he says she's beautiful as the sunrise was holy shit. If a man says that to me, I love you. And I fierce as a warrior, which I love too, because it's like, again, the respect element, you know? Yes. Yeah, he understands yeah. her that she is for protecting her people. Yeah, it's and that's, so that's what I great. recognized um, back in, I guess this was the wisdom. I think that's what the chapter was called. Mm -hmm. the, the respect there. And I loved in the chapter when they're rescuing Perrin and Egwene and how they're doing, like, I think you've called this out, this like a tit for tat sort of thing where like, oh, you, you found the camp. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to create, like, look what I did with the horses. And like, yeah, yeah. this like cute competition with each other. And obviously he's picking up on this too and like understanding like, like wow Nynaeve is not only absolutely gorgeous but she is like me to a T and like we would work so well together but and this is kind of what I wrote because it's not just Lan being a warder and living a very dangerous life Nynaeve will become an Aes Sedai and also will live a pretty dangerous life so it's not just Lan saying my life is dangerous you'll end up being a widow it's also our lives together are too dangerous and well we're kind of like especially mm -hmm. Nynaeve you're too powerful to really have this stable relationship. And as romantic as it is to think about a life with someone, but it doesn't make it realistic to have this type of relationship, which is why this type of conversation is so crucial. Cause it's like, all right, we can't be together, but we can at least acknowledge this exists. Um, right. And it's just, it's fucking beautiful. And I love Lan saying that, all I have is a sword and a war I cannot win. I can never stop fighting. Like, this has truly been his goal and his life, his whole life. Like, we learned he was taught the ways of fighting since he was a baby. His sword means everything <sighs> yeah. because it's essentially an heirloom. And he can't stop fighting this war that he's never going to win. And, like, Ingtar saying, like, I'm going to die fighting because that's my purpose. Land saying the same thing. So mm -hmm. he's like, mm -hmm. I'm going to die, Nynaeve. So this brings me to this point. If y'all gonna die, y'all better consummate this shit. We got <laughs> some emotions. I know the blight isn't the great place true, for this, true. all right? Maybe Nynaeve can create like a little invisible box just for y'all two. But yes, Lan saying, I'm not going to condemn you to being a widow and to condemn you to, to missing me. It's kind of like... If you love it, let it go oh. type of thing. Oh, but it's this is obviously not what Nynaeve wanted from no. this conversation. She no. thought it was going to go a different way, I guess. <sighs> but not only does Lan have this endless war he's fighting, he's also completely dedicated to another person. Yes. And like that's not going to stop anytime soon. No. So how would this work anyway? But it's just so... 
so real to see mm-hmm. Nynaeve putting it out there for herself and then getting kind of crushed for it. Yeah. And it's just, oh, God, this well, moment. Well, right. It's like getting getting rejected in a sense, but getting rejected in a way where, like, you don't have a defense for. Everything Lan is saying is extremely no. valid. And like you saying, yeah. his connection to Moraine, it's like, it's not just that he said an oath to her. He's protected by the one power through Moraine. Like, that's how strong their oath is. That's how strong their bond is. So that's not changing. And Nynaeve can't fight with that. And so it's the slow acceptance. But I think every woman or every person really can relate to going into having a hard conversation, not only with uh, someone that you might be interested in, but really anyone and expecting this outcome and then making decisions based off of that expected outcome and then not getting that Mm -hmm. and then feeling crushed and all i gotta say is thank god for Gwen coming in clutch next chapter oh, getting the girl it, talk getting in those hugs so good i know we'll get there but her glaring at lan i was like yeah fucking that's know. such a great moment their, their friendship is truly building past the point of wisdom and apprentice yes. i think at this point and it's really nice to see just a girlfriend go comfort yeah. her girl and be like, hey, fuck that guy. He's yeah. an asshole. Yeah, fuck that guy. Okay. Like, <laughs> not he, that yeah. he is. Yeah, exactly. But that's, I think that's what makes this so beautiful and so tragic because neither of them are in the wrong. And it's it's very much maybe a, like a men's prediction to a Gwen and Rand situation where it's like there is love there and it can be acknowledged and it can be reciprocated, but you can't be together for these reasons. But that doesn't mean that that love and respect stops or just goes away and right. uh, this moment was so beautiful and it's everything i have ever wanted it was great okay <laughs> I, that's why i had to read the entire thing oh <laughs> i will dream about this tonight i will okay? i mean lan like I, when do you think nynaeve was like i have to make a move when lan was starting starting to go with the poetry and nynaeve's like ooh, the poetry is pretty cool i really enjoyed the, the skinny headband situation mm-hmm, that he mm-hmm. that he has going um i will hate the man you choose because he's not me that is gorgeous you know how many dudes that i would prefer if they said that shit to me you know years ago <laughs> i know but yeah i i loved this it's heartbreaking for Nynaeve, but i love her and i relate to her even more because girl i've been here a, a few times and i appreciate one her making a move hell yeah yeah and then two just like really listening and that's why i love this conversation too because i think they're both really listening to each other and really understanding Mm -hmm. what they're both saying and also understanding the tragedy in the conversation it's perfect yeah it's really not a long conversation at all no it's not robert jordan packed a lot in there and thank god rand heard this okay rand maybe (laughs) i mean it doesn't it doesn't do him much good as we'll learn from next chapter but maybe he gets a sense of like one, seeing Nynaeve in a different light. She's not just, like, a mean older sister. Mm-hmm. She's a real yeah, human person. she has person. emotions. She can dance, Rand. She can dance, Rand, okay? She has a braid. It's okay. But also, like, this is how you talk to people. It's a it's a version of how to talk to people. No. Okay, You know Rand. he won't learn anything. Okay? No, he won't learn anything. And we'll... Yeah. <laughs> I mean... So that's all I have for that chapter. And then we'll pick right back up with uh, the Dark Monster. Chapter 49. Mm. So moving on to chapter 49, The Dark One Stirs. I'll give you a quick summary. This chapter is mostly just running away from scary things, as happens, I feel like, every 
quarter of the way through the book or something. There's some event like this. Anyway. Rand wakes up the next morning, thinking to himself, was that conversation he overheard all a dream? No. Nynaeve is obviously still upset from the night before, but as we discussed, Egwene is able to use the powers of girl talk to cheer her up before they head out again, all while throwing glares at Lan. Love the friendship. So relatable, it's giving middle school vibes a little bit, but you know what, I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Lan, very casually, avoiding both the Seven Towers and Nynaeve. We don't address our feelings in this house. Impossible. What's not so impossible... Women having the ability to read men's minds, according to Rand. <laughs> Always a wool-headed sheep herder. Yeah. And so the group continues on towards the Mountains of Doom with the goal of crossing the high passes by noon when the Dark One's strength is weakest. Traveling in the Blight is peachy and normal as always. An oozy noodle tree tries to eat an animal. Lan comes back from scouting with some kind of acidic black blood on his sword. A monster with too many legs tries to surprise attack them before Matt shoots it with his bow. It's fine. But Moraine's protection from the true source is failing here in the Blight. Creatures that would normally stop and avoid her are attacking openly, as if the Blight itself knows it must stop the web that's forming in the pattern. Agomar did warn them that the Blight is stirring. And what feels like all at once, the trees themselves begin to attack. Mm. I'm sorry, this is the worst part of the chapter for me. The trees attack them? No. And so the group has to fight their way through the decaying forest. But luckily for them, the creatures of the Blight attack each other as much as they attack the group. Mm. So while it's very desperate, they're making progress. Okay, alright. <laughs> but of course, things have to get worse before they can get better. That's a life lesson right there. The fighting comes to a sudden end when a cry from a pack of worms sounds behind them. The other creatures flee. Loyal moans. Loyal's still here, by the way. I we haven't talked about him I, at all. Yeah, I kind of forgot. Also, all love to Robert Jordan. Could we not use the verb moans as a description for, nope. for loyal feeling uh, yeah, uncomfortable? Everyone Could we do like has uh, to moan. People have to finger the button on their shirt. Fuck's sake. The Dark One's taint. I'm sorry. The Dark One's taint fingering Loyal as he moans. Yep. Yeah. That's a, yep. that's a fan fiction. You can check out <laughs> Patreon for that one. So, yep. Yep. But yeah, I, I forgot Loyal was here. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Weird. Yep. <laughs> Loyal's moaning at the idea of the worms behind them. We learn that worms are very bad. No good, bad time. Their only salvation, the group's only salvation, is to get to the high passes before the worms reach them because the worms are afraid of what lives in the mountains. Loyal moans again. <laughs> his, I, I'm pretty sure his um, spirit is broken at yeah, this point. Yeah, it is. It's gone. Poor Loyal. Yeah. So it's a desperate dash to the mountains, but the worms are too fast. They won't make it to safety in time. When suddenly, they're surrounded by green leaves and butterflies. Their need was great enough that the green man has appeared and they're safe. So we finally meet the green man. He is this big, walking, living tree person, much bigger than Loyal, 
or as much bigger than Loyal as Loyal is bigger than Rand. So he's a big boy. Yeah. The green man greets Loyal as a little brother and recognizes Perrin as a wolf brother, which Perrin promptly ignores. But like... He also greets Rand as a child of the dragon and comments on him wearing a sword, but can't remember what it means... And finally, he greets Rain, surprised to see her again when it should have been impossible. We end the chapter with the green man leading them further into his home. Hmm. So we finally get to meet or see one of the things that was so confusing and strange yes. and abnormal to no, us. This, the green man. This chapter moves. Yes, it does move. There's honestly like... I know there's a lot of action in this chapter, but it's not a lot going on. It's, you know, the Evans Fielder's persevering as they always do through horrible situations Perrin's got some badass moments I would mm-hmm. say there's a couple good friendship moments between Egwene and Nynaeve that we already talked about uh, and Matt has a couple quips that are pretty good but ultimately the point of this chapter was to get them to the green man and into safety finally through yes. the blight <laughs> yes we got there but yeah I as Julia mentioned like Every so chapters, there's like a dire situation where they're finding sanctuary. So to me, this was very similar to Egwene and Perrin and Elias running from the Death Ravens and then running into the setting kind of out of nowhere. And then Mm -hmm. it seems like... It's going to be too late. Someone has to die. Right. So (laughs) Perrin's like, Egwene, come here. I got my ass. <laughs> I got Come you. On. You're ready? Put your head on this stump right now. Rand will and then Land's me. like, worms are coming. I gotta go. Sorry, I showed too much emotion last night. It can't be helped. I gotta go. I know. Land's like desperately like, Moraine, can I just die? Moraine, you don't understand. <laughs> Some shit went down last I night. Regret I regret it. gotta get out of this. Okay, Queen's got staring too drunk, at me. Spilled my emotions. Ah, uh, he really did. Oh, poor sweet, poor sweet Land. Love him. Now... <laughs> Okay. As we mentioned, I'll just touch on this quickly. Uh, Egwene, she comforts Nynaeve as girls do because only only us only us females understand when some shit's wrong. Okay. I don't oh, mean yeah. I don't mean to gender that. Telepathy. You, you you know what I mean. As Rand would know. Yeah. As Rand would know, and then of course Rand takes this as <sighs> sweet Rand. He wondered if women had a way of reading men's minds. It was an unsettling <laughs> thought. All women are Aes Sedai. Telling himself he was letting the blight get to him, he rinsed out his mouth and hurried to get to the bay saddled. Good job, yeah. Rand. Okay, but that's what he takes away from just, that conversation last night. Once again, Rand, I love you, but somehow you just keep not understanding anything. And uh, women can't <laughs> read men's minds. It's just men mm-hmm. are easier to figure out sometimes. And not all women are Aes Sedai, but all the women that you're in contact with are Aes Sedai. So it's actually okay to think that. I know. I guess it's fair to say that it feels like all the women in the world are Aes Sedai because his entire world is just three women who are powerful channelers. Right. But uh, I feel like Rand is the opposite of a sponge here. He's (laughs) absorbing nothing. (laughs) He is a rock. He rejects yeah. anything that wants to absorb into him. Yeah. He's like, no, thank you, sir. I'm yeah. good with that. Yeah. No need. Well, it's just he doesn't. You're No, you're totally right about that. Because if we kind of go back through the book and pinpoint 
points where uh, we have the the prince, um, Queen Morghese's son, the prince being like, hey, you look like an Aiel mm. man. Like, I didn't want to say this in front of oh, anyone yeah. else. We have the green man being like, Shadow the dragon. And Rand's like, I don't know what that yeah. means. <laughs> like, you don't, <laughs> you know, through all of this, you're having Loyal tell you you're a Taviran, which only, and then he says, Loghain was a Taviran and uh, Luce Theron was a Taviran. Like, these are powerful people. Mm. And Rand's like, I don't know. I'm a sheep herder and I kind of do Tabak and, you know, I don't can't be with Egwene. So I just picture him like I'm wearing a sweatshirt right now. I picture him in a sweatshirt, like hands in the little pouch and head down, just being like, whatever, dude, like just shrugging all the time. Yeah. It's like, Rand, you're, oh, yeah. you're important so much so that people are dying. You had to leave your home because of how important you are and your friends. Like, just give yourself a little credit and just like think about things at all. And he just doesn't. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Rand. How have you lived at all? Listen, I'm going to diagnose everyone in this okay, book. Okay, thank you. Rand, Rand's coping mechanism yes. is rejecting all new information. Okay, he all right. He does not accept it. He's like, people are saying I look weird and not like someone from the Two Rivers. Um, I'll think about it for a chapter or two and then just reject it. Be like, nah, brain says, no, I don't like that. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to not think about it. Tam's my dad. <laughs> I have a sword. Tam's my dad. I don't call him dad. I call him Tam, but he's definitely my yeah. dad. No, you are spot on once again. But yeah, every everything he's confronted with, it's just like, mm, no. <laughs> no, not ready for that. I'm just going to ignore it for now. No, uh, Moraine's doing Aes Sedai stuff. I'm just not going to. Nope. No. Egwene? No. No, thank you. So that's, that's, a, that's a rant. Uh, once again, I love rant. I do love this person. He is great. Yes. However, struggling there. Okay. It's not a great sign when Lan has more emotional intelligence than you do. So yeah. Yeah, not that's true. great. Now, speaking of Lan, they're heading toward the mountains of Tahum. Um, if you if you want me to pronounce it like Doom, why are we throwing an H <laughs> in there? D-H-O-M. This is the story of Robert Jordan's life, okay. in my opinion. Why is it Kyrian and not Karahine? I'm sorry. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, cue everything I've ever mispronounced. I was listening to one of our earlier episodes where I only said Midral, and I was like, dear God, I apologize <laughs> it took you, to like, people listening to this. a solid five to get that right. Oh, yeah. And you, it was so funny, because, like, I would be, I would be saying Midral or, or whatever, and then you would start talking and be like, yeah, so the Merdral... So it's Murdral and the Murdral, and I just wasn't absorbing. Am I Rand? I might be Rand. Oh. That's scary. What would Perrin do? Existential crisis incoming. <laughs> Perrin, Perrin would know what to do. Perrin's good with ladies, so that would help. Anyway, so they're heading towards the mountains of Dahum, and they're coming up, I guess, upon a forest or whatever type of trees surrounding kind of the foothills of this mountain. Uh, and as Julia said, <laughs> lands out, you know, just w uh, warding ahead of uh, ahead of the group. Mm -hmm. He just comes mm -hmm. back with uh, blood, but it's black blood on his sword. And he immediately yep. takes out a rag and wipes it all off and then throws the rag on the ground, littering, first of all. But then <laughs> the rag is like disintegrating before it hits the ground and it like yeah. burbles and sizzles. Yeah. Not, I would also like right to note here. that when he was out there in the middle of the forest on his own, there was multiple roars. Mm. And then and then he comes back with the blood and he's like, it's fine. And Nynaeve is yeah. like, should we 
should we go help him? <laughs> and Brian's like, no, 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 he's fine. Yeah. Love of my life, should we go? And no, yeah. Do you want to take this description? Because I feel you you got it you better with the oozing pus that's splitting the trees. And Oh, well, let me find the page because I didn't even take any notes on this. Oh. It's just so disgusting. My brain pulls around and is like, I reject this information. All right, so here's my um, notes on this. So I okay. tried to describe them because you're right. I couldn't mentally picture what the fuck these monsters were being described as um so i just said like horribly deformed trollic animal because i think they're close enough right to shale ghoul and the where the trollics are where i feel like these are probably like trollic like but then there are human elements so maybe it's like this you're back in thakandar right we're making the trollics we're making the orcs right some of them turn out times it's great times, all right? They're having a dandy old time. They're listening to T-Swift, blasting that shit. It gets them through the day, all right? I'm feeling 22. Yep. Let's make a trollic. Okay, so you're getting <laughs> you're getting some you're getting some bad the bad batch, right? You know, you're making the trollics. One of them, it's only hands, and you're like, okay, this isn't gonna work. Okay, <laughs> we yeah. <laughs> some of these yep, trollics uh-huh. actually have to talk to humans. Like, you can't have a hand tentacle. That's not gonna work. Yep. These are the higher ups, executives at Thakandar. And they're like, all right, but it's still terrifying. We could still use this for our purposes, right? Throw it in a lake. It's the lake's too small. I don't give a shit. Get it out of here. We don't want the hand tentacle thing. So my Mm -hmm. thought is maybe this section of the blight, because you would assume if these creatures are in this part of the blight, they're also in the other part of the blight that's more to the west because they're more in the east section. Right, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're kind of everywhere. And these are just like just deformed trollic reject things. Because how else are there human limbs attached to these horrific fucking creatures? Uh, it's all bad. Yeah. That that's a yeah. that's one of my theories. So Yeah, it is absolutely all bad, very no good time. Yeah. Leave now, please. Not good. Um, I didn't even mention the yeah. trees, okay? That was just the weird no, monster The trees things. are the worst part to me, yeah. because this is why I called it a noodle tree in my okay. description, because they're described as, like, being, like, floppy or something, and weird and, like, oozing with pus or whatever, yeah. and I just am imagining them being, like, rubbery and disgusting, and Rand says he can't even figure out what type of tree it was supposed to be, because it's so gnarled and, like, turned in on itself, and then... Not only does it ooze and be squishy, but the trees hunt, okay? Ugh. How do trees eat creatures? Where's the mouth? Do I want to know? No. Is but it-, it literally grabs what I'm assuming is like a squirrel thing and eats it. No. Is it like an elephant situation where the trunk or the mouth is like in the armpit of the branch and they're sort of doing the... I don't know, because let me read you this description. Okay, yeah, I'd love As that. he watched, okay. the tree suddenly whipped back and forth again, then bent down, flailing at the ground. I'm sorry, does it have a mouth? And when it, it snaps back up suddenly and it's holding the animal in its yeah. limbs, and I'm like, this is... Horrible. Why would you do this to me, Robert Jordan? How dare you? (laughs) And then Lan's response to this is like, yeah, Algamar said that the blight was stirring. Yeah, he's like, it's, yeah, it's an everyday occurrence. (laughs) Like, it it bends down 
and flails at the ground like <laughs> and then it like stands back up with the squirrel thing and starts eating it somehow or like absorbing i don't know how do trees eat anything that isn't sunshine and water i okay. hate this, this is so unnatural. much so much okay i think my brain rejected the tree eating because yeah. i miss this entirely um yeah i guess if we could reel back for a moment just take a little pause between the horrific tree eating and stuff like that so as they're leaving before they're riding off to the mountains of dehoom to face noodle tree no mouth trollic freak thing (laughs) naturally so (laughs) moraine has to sort of uh disperse this bending and this is the moment where I completely missed, but I guess Egwene picks up that Nynaeve can channel. So could you go through this? Because I missed this entirely. Okay. Um, Yeah. So before they go, Moraine has to dissipate the ward that she created because for some reason it it would cause problems if she left like a trace of them being there. They could probably track them easier or something like that. Um, Also, just a quick world building of like... If she were to leave the ward, it would stay there. Or if she doesn't dissipate it, then there would be, like, a little something left behind that someone could, like, trace later on Uh or something like that. Uh, Just a little bit more knowledge on how the one power works. Yeah. But as she's doing this, Egwene and Nynaeve are shivering. And Egwene is kind of, like, rubbing her arms. And then she realizes that Nynaeve is doing the same thing. And to her, that makes the connection. And, of course, we're seeing this from Rand's eyes. Of course. So he misses so much, I'm sure. But Egwene essentially notices Nynaeve is shivering as well. And it kind of, like, I'm assuming, like, raises an eyebrow at her, like, uh? Okay. You can also? And then Nynaeve is, like, she suddenly stops uh, shivering too and like glares at Egwene for a okay. second but then they both kind of crack a grin and are like oh I see you we're the same this Damn. is cool it's okay. official besties official besties but yes I think being in Rand's perspective it's hard to take that yes. paragraph this is on page uh, 676 in the middle uh, to be like oh there's a connection there but like I just reread it now it's like okay I can understand how like they yeah. had a they had a look moment like oh you feel it too I feel it too right holy shit and then Rand is like interesting women Rand is like all right women can read each other's minds confirmed <laughs> obviously because he literally Rand. thinks to himself Rand's and he's over like, here like all right, sure parents girl tips <laughs> got it got it <sighs> Nynaeve Egwene look. <laughs> understand how question yeah. mark Nynaeve is he literally sad. says he was sure that there was something in the silent exchange that he should understand but that it was a feather light brush across his mind <laughs> that vanished before he could grasp it as to, with everything else rand to be fair i also miss this rand but you're you okay. gave a shitty description rand so yeah. ultimately it's I because you. you're looking through his eyes yes. i think you would have gotten it otherwise yes okay so but yes no, I, I wanted to touch on that because I totally missed it too. But I, I think that's important because, yes, as Julia said, it strengthens their friendship, all of that. Now, now back to horrifying tree things with hands and arms and no mouth. <laughs> it's fun. So, yeah. quick description of that before we get to the worms. Trees are grabbing mm-hmm. them. Branches are grabbing yep. them. Deformed shapes. That's a quote from the book. Deformed shapes. So, yep. the boys, they all take out their weapons. They're fighting back. Uh, Perrin... I can't talk about Perrin. I'll get too heated. Perrin's doing Perrin things. <laughs> Moraine's using yeah. one power fire, fireballs. 
uh, Lan just keeps fighting them, and he keeps getting hurt. Mm-hmm. But Mo Mo keeps capital A healing him, so he gets uh, back in the ring, and that's awesome. So before we talk yeah. about worms, you want to you want to talk about Perrin? Uh, Perrin moments. Okay, we can talk about Perrin a little bit. Mm. I Perrin really has taken a backseat in all of these chapters recently, I'm not as a fan he of tends that. to do. Yeah, I know. But in this one moment, he really does kind of shine and almost become a leader in a way when everyone is fighting, you know, the the whole forest is attacking them. Every creature that's in the area is coming at them and they have to rush to get to the mountains because even Lan is struggling here. Yeah. Um, And so Perrin takes the front because he has an axe and what is attacking them? Trees. What do you use to cut down a tree? An axe. It makes so much sense. Perrin's like, I got you. Let me just hack my way through this forest. And so he does. <laughs> no, I mean, that's essentially it. But like, <laughs> goddamn, yeah. he's so hot when he does anything with crazy yellow eyes. I I would love for Elias to show up in that moment and be like, boy, I got you. Let's chop down these trees. So that was fun. But yeah, so they've done this. As Julia said, the creatures are also fighting each other. So it makes it a little bit easier. And instead of just sort of yeah. holding their ground, they're actually able to make progress. But ha, huh, no. There are worms coming, okay? And it's not worms. like it's not like worms. It's like worms, okay? No, Think- suddenly Dune enters the so, universe. I know, dude. That's exactly what I was thinking about. I'm like, oh, fucking sandworms? Get me the fuck out of here. No, thank you. Yeah. So yeah. these worms are coming. Now, Lan, uh, once again, having to explain to the sheep herders, idiots. Now, he does, yes. I will say, he does could, um, congratulate i guess in a land way matt and says good shooting sheep herder when matt uh oh this right. is an arrow yep. and it hits one of the weird deformed things so you know there's that yep. however we're back to square one once again when matt's like a worm <laughs> and lands like okay so the things that we were just fighting those fear the worm the worm can also mm-hmm. kill fucking fades so yeah they're uh-huh. not great now if we just reach the high passes, the worm's not going to get in there. Okay, so that's going to be the goal here. But Sounds we need good. to get the fuck out of here. So Lan starts like mm-hmm. galloping. And Ran estimates mm-hmm. that at this pace, they're going to reach the high passes in about an hour. They quickly mm-hmm. realize that they're not going to make it in time. And Lan essentially is like, all right, my moment has happened. I already told Nynaeve that I love her so I have to die uh because I can't yeah. face her again and Moraine's like great yeah. land love that you're a hero but I'm gonna need you for the eye so mm-hmm. get stop back it. here you're not gonna do anything against a pack of worms yeah. when <laughs> the only way to kill them is to chop them up into little pieces apparently <laughs> um oh. also the whole reason that they're running into the mountains is because the worms fear whatever is in the mountains and so this whole time that they're running Rand is having like a true crisis like, okay, if we're running away from these worms, Lan says we can't do shit about them, but we're running into the mountains where the worms are afraid of something else. Do I keep running towards the mountain or do I just die by worm? Both of these options seem horrible. Right. And then, yeah, he's pretty much like at, on the point of giving up. And then what, what propels him is Egwene. And he's like, I'm not going to let her face this alone. Yes. I'm going to keep going because I'm an Emmons fielder. I persevere, okay? And of course, mm-hmm. this is the moment when the blight was gone. Green leaves covered peacefully spreading branches. I like that we had to add that. Peacefully spreading branches. Right. These branches don't want to kill you. Wildflowers 
made a carpet of bright patches and the grass was stirred by a sweet spring breeze. Butterflies fluttered from blossom to blossom with buzzing bees and birds trilled their <laughs> ah, songs. The birds and the bees. It's ah, great. But obviously this drastic change of scenery tips them off that, oh, I think we're not in the blight anymore. And I think we're probably in the green man's oh. garden. Oh, hell yeah. <gasps> Loyal's not fucking moaning anymore. Okay. I think we're getting something. <laughs> yeah. What has Loyal been doing? God, even Rand is like, I, could you stop? Well, that's a thought. He's like, Rand wished the Ogier would stop doing that. He was well aware that Loyal knew more about the plight <laughs> than any of them except yeah. Lan, even if it was from reading books in the safety of a setting. But why does he have to keep reminding me that there's worse than what we've seen? Loyal, yeah. you're not a good vibes guy. I love you, Loyal, but you're not keeping the vibes up. No, Loyal, okay? uh, yeah, sees their doom and is afraid of it, to be fair. Yes. But, so if you want to go through the green man, I um Sure. So the green man, we don't get too long with him in this chapter, but we finally get to see what he looks like. He is this giant tree-like person being, but uh, (laughs) he is made of only foresty things. Like, I'm imagining him made of vines and leaves. Um, As we talked about off the podcast, his eyes are hazelnuts or something. Yes. His fingernails are acorns. Yes. He's a mystic. Butterflies swirled around him. So it's exactly like that Snapchat filter. Okay. So he's basically, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So on the spectrum of tree people, is he more Uh like an ent from Lord of the Rings or is he what I picture the jolly green giant from the green bean package? Like where... I can't get a okay. good description on this guy. Yes. I would say, you know, closer to Ent for sure. Okay. But All right. less full-on tree and more just made up of plants that are, like, woven together is how I'm imagining it. Okay. I don't... I think the only reason I think that is because uh, when they're describing the one thing that ruins his verdant perfection is this scar that goes down his face okay that is described as the vines there were brown and withered so i'm assuming he has Mm -hmm. vines everywhere you know so besides this one scar they're green in that scar it's kind of brown and withering yeah but he's he's just basically this giant magical thing he calls loyal a little brother which is adorable and loyal's like i'm honored and it's cute as we mentioned in the summary, uh, the next person he calls out is Perrin, which we all know Perrin hates any type of attention on him. Yeah. The green man's like, wolf brother, do the old times truly walk again then? <gasps> yeah. Whatever that means. Even the green man, I don't think he knows. He seems to have some memory issues going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely get into that more next chapter, I'm assuming. But yeah, he... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something about the scar. Although he does say he does say that the blight keeps trying to fight its way into his sanctuary, so I wonder if the scar right. is just from him like fighting, maybe just fending them off, yeah, or something, something like that. Imagine him battling a worm. Yeah, no. Again, like the I just don't have a good picture in my head of him, so I'm like, is this just like a guy in like a green man suit with like a skirt of of leaves? I I just can't really. <laughs> Yeah, Take he's in seriously. a green <laughs> screen suit yeah. with a skirt of leaves and coconut bra. That's how I imagine him. Yeah. 
<laughs> the coconut bra, the flat floral crown, it all comes back yeah. to Coachella yeah. Expo Time 2021. Yeah. It really Middle all part comes- <laughs> hair. Yeah, little part. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I'm sorry, but it's hard to... Because this chapter, you're having these horrific descriptions of these branch people, and then you're like, yeah, this guy has acorns for fingernails. I'm like, what the, <laughs> what the fuck is this? I know. the It's truly jarring to go from one it's to the other, jarring. where the worms are squishing the trees down, and then suddenly butterflies are flying around <laughs> this tall giant. Butterflies are flying around uh, his head, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like the sound. It just starts yeah. playing the like, yeah, right. Yeah, and like some it. birds are carrying a little flower crown and put it on Rand's head. Yeah. Everyone gets a lay. They're like, all right, I guess mm-hmm. I'm not being the blight. And Land's like, I still want to kill myself. So could I just leave, please? No, nope. So besides that, there's we can't really get into too much. Basically. Perrin gets called a wolf brother. He ignores that comment as much as possible. The green man calls Rand child of the dragon. Can't really elaborate on that too much because even the green man doesn't know what's going on. And then finally addresses Moraine, being like, Whoa, you shouldn't be here right now. That should be impossible. As always, Moraine gives a great explanation. They have need. My need, most of all, the world's need. We have come to see the eye of the world, and the green man takes that as a signal. He's like, okay, I've been waiting for this. He will take them to the eye. And that's where we leave off this chapter. We finally made it to the eye of the world. Nearly. We haven't seen it yet. We've met the green man. We're coming into the climax of the book, finally. I can't wait until next week. I am incredibly impatient to finish this book, but it's gonna be good. I can't wait to share it with Lily. I can't wait to share it with Coplins. So if you're interested, listen up next week. As always, follow us on Twitter, rate and review. You know what to do at this point. This is all old news. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye!